Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Reagan Gillen. Uh, I know Scott just introduced me, but I'm one of the associate pastors here at Lover's Lane. We're glad that you're joining here this morning. Those that are viewing uh, online, we're excited that you are uh, watching with us. Um, I just wanted to say I had every intention of wearing these really cool heels, and then I was like, nah. So, but look how pretty they are. Okay. So, um, this morning we are starting our new series, Soul Reset, because in case you didn't know it, it is Lent. Yes, Methodists celebrate Lent. I know many of you thought, I thought that was a Catholic thing. No, we do, we do it too. And so, Lent is a time of 40 days, starting on Ash Wednesday um, to Easter, uh, 40 days. It's, um, originally, you know, it, it means kind of the lengthening to spring days. Who's excited that's not going to be dark at like 5.30 anymore? Really excited that it's slowly getting more light. Um, but it was a time for people, most people got baptized back in the day on Easter. So it was kind of this time um, leading up to it where there was um, fasting and praying and confession and all that leading up um, to Easter Sunday. And so it's these 40 days. Um, Sundays don't count. So just in case you, you gave up caffeine or chocolate or sweets, you can have it on Sunday and we as your pastors would appreciate if you did that so you wouldn't come like angry to church on Sunday because you've been giving up something for a few days. Um, so yay, Sunday, just go to town on whatever you gave up. Um, but Lent really is a, it's a really, it can be a really sacred and precious time. Not only is it giving something up, it can be adding something, but really um, just a time to reset um, and, and grow closer to God. And so we're excited about this um, new series um, to be honest, uh, the scripture that we're starting off with today, the first part is, is really, really heavy. And so as I start, you're like, this is going to be the most depressing sermon I've heard. And um, it won't be. I promise we're going to end on a high note. But just this first part is it, kind of a lot, and it, it hit me pretty hard. And, um, and so I hope maybe it kind of starts to stir something in and and you as well. And so we're actually going to go ahead and kick off with the scripture. And I'm only going to read the first part, um, and then we'll talk, and then we'll kind of hit the second part. So let's read. We are in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 um, in the Old Testament. If you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen. And I'm going to be reading uh, just verses 1 through 4 right now. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the God strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors have already died. So it kind of starts really heavy. Um, And I wanted us to kind of to sit with this for a second. So we've got Elijah who is is afraid, and he is fleeing for his life. He knows his life is in danger. And he gets to this point where he... um, Ask God, I want to die. Take my life. It would be much better if I were gone. And so I try to put my, myself in, in his shoes for a second. And first of all, um, I don't know if I've ever truly been, like, afraid. Like, afraid. Like, trembling for my life. I don't know if you have ever felt that. Um, 
but I don't think I've ever felt afraid. I have felt worried, absolutely, very, I have a doctorate in it, um, <laughs> but that, that feeling of afraid, I, I don't know. But then I think about when he says, gosh, gosh, Elijah wishes that he were dead rather than going on. Oh my gosh, that's, that's a lot. And I haven't prayed that before, but I, I imagine many of us have prayed something similar when we have been so overwhelmed, we've been so stressed out, we've got so much going on, we've been working and pushing ourselves so hard that we say something to God, something along the lines of, I just, I can't do it anymore. This is too hard. This is too much. I can't take it. I, I can't survive this. I, I imagine a lot of us have said something like that. There's just the weight of everything, every expectation, everything we have to do, everything we've been working for. Sometimes it just becomes too, too much, too chaotic. And so that's why I really do believe every once in a while we need a soul reset. And so I'm excited about this series and the things that it will teach us and hopefully it will really reset our soul. So with that, I'm actually going to pray and then we're going to get to continue. God, we thank you for this story as heavy as it it begins. We know that there is always good news. I pray that you would work within our hearts, that you would open our eyes and our hearts, maybe convict us in ways of um, that we need to slow down, we need to get rid of things, we need to start something fresh, we need to take care of ourselves better. Um, we're thankful for these stories, how they continue to mean something to us even thousands and thousands of years later. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come in this room, be with us, open our ears, open our hearts. And it's your name we pray, amen. Okay, so obviously this text hit me pretty hard. It was kind of a downer uh, <laughs> to begin my week. Um, but I think I, I started thinking about how I've heard similar stories of people, like I said, or myself, where we're just running and we're running and we're pushing ourselves, we're working so hard, um, you know, we're grabbing this, we're doing that, we're achieving, we're, we're winning, we're just, we're on top of the world, and then we actually find that we're really quite miserable. That's really not what we wanted. And then in the midst, on top of that, of all that running and pushing and achieving, we've sometimes lost sight of our, our morals, our convictions, our marriages have gone to the wayside, our, our kids, we don't have a good relationship with our kids, our families have that stress, and, and our health, our health takes a big hit. And it's really hard, especially in, living in Dallas in this culture where it's, I mean, it really is a rat race, keeping up with the Jones. We want to be um, always, you know, going up a level, getting that promotion, getting more title, um, and I just think, gosh, all of that. I mean, what's it worth? Wealth, status, is it really worth everything that we put ourselves? Because um, maybe there's been times that you've, you know, you've worked really hard and you won something or you achieved something and then you get and you're like, oh, it's actually not that big of a deal. I don't know if it was worth everything I put into this to get to this point. And our bodies have been taking um, a hit. Our souls have been taking a hit We've got people that are overtired. We have eating disorders. People are chronically sick. People have um, crippling fear and anxiety and depression and infertility and heart disease and cancer and, and addictions. And so we find that we're asking the same thing of God that Elijah did, saying, I just don't know if I can go on. This is too much. So I wonder, do you see yourself in this Elijah story, I want you to kind of just think about this first part of the story 
Have you been there? Because I find, I know at times when I'm overwhelmed, I do feel like, gosh, my soul, my soul is not full. Okay, this is getting too heavy. So Cheer, the show on Netflix. That's a hard turn. So Cheer, we're all watching it. If you're not, you're lame. Get on the train. Um, So Cheer is on on Netflix. And I think I have a picture, just, you know. So a quick little trivia story. So a couple weeks ago, Scott and I uh, baptized Justin and Burke's little girl, Carly. So Justin is the vice president of National Cheerleader Association. So he's um, off at tournaments right now. And this weekend, I guess there's a big tournament in Dallas. And so they're there. And so Justin's husband, Burke, was hired to be Gabby Butler's bodyguard for the weekend. So we've got some, you know, celebrity status in in the house. Um, So anyway, so cheer. Even if you haven't watched it, if you know a little bit about cheerleading, and I mean like cheerleading, not Dallas Cowboy cheerleading, I mean cheerleading, okay? Um, They are crazy. They are workhorses. They are like incredible athletes. I mean, I'm just watching them like, oh my gosh, first, I'm so out of shape. Um, Whew! But I mean, it is amazing. Their coach, Monica, absolutely terrifies me. but we, we get to know their stories and we think, gosh, they just have it all. And then we find more about their stories and where they come from. Many of them have, um, you know, a lot of neglect or trauma or abuse, um, you know, addiction, different things in their lives. Um, but cheerleading has been this source of joy, this source of um, purpose in their lives. And so they get to go to this school that, you know, it's a community college. And so, you know, for two years, um, this is their everything. And then I start to think, gosh, what happens after that? You know, they win. They always win the national um, championship. But I think, what happened after that? And I wonder if some of them think, gosh, was that worth putting my body through all of that? Was it worth, like, being so tired and injured and, and maybe not eating well to take care of myself? Was it worth it? And maybe it was. But what comes after? What comes after um, cheerleading? And I am thankful uh, in the show, Monica, the coach, really does try to teach them life skills because she says, you know, after this, there's, you can go be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader, but it's not the same kind of cheerleading. Um, there's really nowhere to go after that. But they spent their whole lives working really, really hard. And I imagine a lot of them are really exhausted. They want to give up. And then they think, again, what's my purpose? Kind of the same way as Elijah. Elijah and we'll get to a little bit what happens before this story. You know, he's done a lot, and then he finds he's exhausted, and he's worried, and he's afraid. And so these cheerleaders, they're exhausted. They don't know what's next. Elijah is exhausted. He's tired. He can't see what's ahead. And we, so we feel maybe like these cheerleaders, just not as tan and not as fit. <laughs> but we think, okay, what is next? I put on all this work, but what is next? And we think we don't realize how much our bodies, our minds, our spirits, and our souls are utterly depleted because we just give so much often to one thing. We give our whole lives to one thing. And then we find it's not worth it. Or sometimes we give ourselves to just all the wrong things. We spend all of our time, we spend all of our energy, we give everything away to the wrong thing. So with Elijah, you know, he is literally scared he's going to be killed. He's been told he's going to be killed. That's probably not our story. I don't think anyone's hopefully 
chasing you, trying to kill you. You don't have a bear chasing you. You know, no one's trying to kill you. But I find that we are running so hard and fast at things that'll probably eventually kill us. Elijah has run himself ragged and finds himself looking at death. And maybe we don't, we don't have things as extreme, but I know that sometimes we want to run away from all the responsibilities and stress. Scott has this, um, her used to have this horrible habit of like when he would get stressed, he'd be like, don't you just ever think about like just going to Mexico? And I'm like, am I included in this? Or, or like, are you trying to tell me something? And so now he's learned like, how about we all go to Mexico? I'm like, that's better, that's better. Um, but we know what it's like to kind of feel like you're hanging on a thread and would it just be better just to have a, like a brand new start, just go somewhere. But I think we can do that right here. So Elijah, um, I kind of mentioned briefly, Elijah just had these huge success right before this story happened. Chapter 18 is like the big one for Elijah. Um, he proved the great power of God. You know, he put a sacrifice um, uh, on this wood and filled it with water, then asked God for God's fire to come down and burned everything up. And so like he is... I mean, he is the ultimate. And so you think, he would think he's untouchable, he's unstoppable, that God is with him, he's got this all figured out, and yet we find this afraid man who can't see ahead of him. And this is when I want to read the rest of the story and see what happens after Elijah falls and has this prayer and asks God to kill him, to take his life. I want us to see what happens after that. So starting in verse 5. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. What is a broom tree? Does it grow brooms? That's all I could picture in my head. It's a funny tree. Um, But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So probably my favorite part of this story is the thing that gives Elijah the strength for 40 days is bread, is carbs. I have a picture. I think of Oprah. Yeah, in case you don't know that. Or maybe you know the Maya, uh, what's her name, from Saturday Night Live. I'm looking at Scott, not helping me. There you go, Rudolph. Um, I mean, God bless bread, the carbs, gives him everything he needs. Um, But it really is basic food and water and rest that gives him what he needs. It seems as if God is saying, I need you to reset in order to make what is ahead. What is coming is going to be long. It's going to be hard. And I need you to do these basic things. I need you to get your body, your spirit, your mind, and your soul in check. And the way to do that is to strip everything away and do the things that only feeds your body, your spirit, your mind, and your soul. God is not about feeding your bank account. God is not about feeding your ego, your stocks, your house with things. But God is about getting you back to the things that actually sustain you and fill you up. And so this passage challenged me to think about three things. And so here they are. First is, what am I eating? So we don't like to talk about being gluttons very often in church or just in general, but I think it's important that this body 
um, that God gave us that we should take care of it as best as we can. And so how are we eating things that actually sustain us? How are we eating things that help our health improve? How are we healing our body and getting the recommended portions and eating from the recommended food groups and maybe cutting things out that make us sick? And I know you're thinking, Reagan, Elijah just ate bread. I could just eat carbs, right? Um, I wish. I so wish. Um, but I think we have to get back to the basics of eating things that fill um, our bodies, that fuel our bodies in good ways. And I know in, in hard times, it's so easy um, of stress, heartache, anger, or boredom. We want to just grab food that's in front of us, things that comfort us. Um, but we've become very unhealthy with the way we look at food and how we choose to eat. And so maybe for Lent, you're not going to go on a diet. You're not really going to try some new fad. But maybe you start to look at having a better relationship with food. Maybe you need to reset your body by what you eat. Our body really is a temple and we need to take care of it. We need to um, give it things that make it feel good. We all know what it's like to, to know people that haven't aged well or don't have a lot of health issues, and a lot of it starts with how they eat. How are they choosing um, to feed themselves? And so I believe it's never, never too late to start a new way of eating, a new way of living. For me, I've tried to look at how am I giving thanks and praise to God that God gave me a body that can really do incredible and amazing things, that it can be really, really strong if I take care of it. And so maybe a way to reset your soul is to start looking at your body as a gift and how you can give thanks for it. Um, now, I don't want you, Scott, um, to start saying, Reagan, my body is a gift. Okay? <laughs> Spouses, we're not, that's not what we're going for. But I think to think, oh my gosh, God, like you gave me a body that can do amazing things and I want to take care of it. It's, an, it's a way of, of giving thanks and praise to God. And so maybe that's a way that you can look at it different. The second thing is how are you resting? I don't know when it was, a while back I did a sermon on, on Sabbath and you know, Sabbath looks different today. Obviously we can't do Sabbath really like they did in biblical times to really completely unplug and do nothing remotely that looks like work is, is really, really hard. Because um, you know, as an adult on your days off of days of rest, what do you get to do? Laundry, clean the house, sort mail. Oh, I hate mail. Anyone else hate mail? Thank you. Like if someone would have told me as a kid how much mail would make me angry, like, and it's not like I have all these bills and stuff, but it's like, I hate sorting it. I hate recycling. I don't know what to keep. I don't know how, to, how long to keep it. I don't know what to shred. Like it's just, it's just clutter and I hate mail more than anything in the entire world. Um, but rest, I'm getting back to that. So we still do have a lot of um, ways to rest and it's gonna look different. Here are just a few things. Like how are you doing your best to leave work at work? That's hard. Or at least not picking it back up until your kids are asleep and after you've spent some time with your spouse first. How are you not immediately waking up in the morning and looking at your phone first thing? What if instead you prayed or just breathed? And meditated. Maybe how are you spending your time doing the things you really love? How, how is that rest? I mean, that can still be exercise. If you love to exercise, that gives you rest, do it. 
Maybe you just like to read or garden or cooking or baking or hanging out with your friends and family, inviting people in your home. Again, all of those things can be a rest because if they're filling your soul and making your stress go down, that is a rest for your body. See, what is really important in the story of Elijah, um, also, not only is he resting, but I love that he sleeps and he wakes up, eats, and he goes back to sleep. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm guilty of like, okay, I'm just going to rest for a little bit. Even when I was having horrible back trouble, I would lay down for a while and then I'm like, oh, my back's good. I feel great. So now I can go unload the dishwasher and I can sweep and I can do all the things and Scott, like, get back in bed. Um, I think, I don't know why it is, but we want to do the bare minimum of resting because I don't know if it's fear of looking lazy. I don't know if it's a fear of looking like a slob or disinterested, but I think we actually need to be resting more than we are. You've got to make time for it. You have to make time for rest or your body is going to revolt against you. So rest is really, really important. Our bodies need time to recover. And I know many of you in the room have little kids and you think, I can't just rest. I have to be on my feet. My kids do things like cut their hair in the morning, like my daughter did this week. It's fine. It's fine. And ate marshmallows in the pantry while we were sleeping. It's fine. Um, but there are still ways to rest and engage, even with your kids. The best thing I did right before Jude was born, I was like, how can I still play with Andy when I'm so exhausted? I'll buy her walkie-talkies. So then she could run around the house and I could still be in bed. It was amazing. Um, but there's ways, maybe you're like, hey, get a hammock and rest. And then you can also watch your kids play and still be engaged. Read, read to your kids, sit down, read with them, play with them. Sit down and watch that horrible, I don't know, pony mermaid thing on Netflix they love to watch. Like sit and watch it with them. Or maybe for you, maybe you actually need to binge watch something. You need to like discipline yourself to sit and relax and not do something else at the same time, but really rest. See, I think everyone rests different, but everyone needs to rest. That's the point. Everyone rests different, but everyone needs to rest. So how are you resting? The last thing is what do we thirst for? I didn't feel like I could put what's your drink or what are you drinking because it felt like a pickup line for you all. So I just put, what do we thirst for? Um, but water. So Elijah drinks water. And we all know that water is important. It is vital to, to living. If we don't drink it, we get kidney stones like me. It's fun. Um, and we'll die without it. Water is essential to our lives. And we all know if they say if you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Or if you're hungry, first drink a glass of water. And I know that I don't reach, I don't always thirst for water. That's not my first thing that I go for. I'd much rather drink sweet tea. I'd much rather eat the white cheddar Cheetos instead first. Um, but it doesn't make me wonder what do we thirst for? What do we reach for first? What are we so thirsty for? Is it important or is it really the wrong thing? Maybe it's we're letting society's pressure or what is cheapest or what's convenient or what is promised to give satisfaction or what is shiny in front of us or maybe someone told you this is going to change your life. You've got to have that. Um, I don't know, but I know often we thirst for the wrong thing. We're thirsty for the wrong thing. So this angel did not give Elijah a feast did not give him the best wine, did not give him a comfy five-star hotel, 
but there was water, there was bread, and there was a place to put his head. God needed to reset Elijah for the long journey ahead. He needed the basic necessities in order to be strong enough to have the stamina to go forward. I think we're so guilty thinking we need elaborate things or elaborate practices or funds in order to succeed and to get what we really need. And God says, no, I, you need water, you need food, you need rest, and you need me. Not me, just for the record, God, not me, not Reagan. God, just clarifying. You know, Lent is interesting because I, I think it can be kind of a slap in the face of how far you've grown away from God. Um, but luckily we have this God who's always willing, who is always available, who's always just there to have a relationship with us. And so I hope more than food, I hope more than water, I hope more than rest, that you thirst for a relationship with God and that you're continually going to God first to be like, I need to get my life in order. I need to reset. I've got to do something different because I'm drowning. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. And so at this table, and I know we're going to have bread and we're going to have wine. And so you're going to think, I thought we needed more than bread. <laughs> but I think about how much Jesus really wanted to bring rest to people and he, how much he wanted to reset their soul and, and push them um, to go after the things that really could help them, that could heal them and make them whole. And so at this table that we're about uh, to gather around, you know, he sat down with his friends with this simple meal that they had had time and time and time again. And it was like he was reminding them, this kind of stuff, this is still what is important. This is what is going to give you strength, what is going to give you peace, what is going to give you comfort. I need you to keep gathering like this to remind yourself of me and, and what I did for you.